This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the podcast where we discuss topics we believe requires critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast and go to saythiscast.com if you want to hear previous episodes. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the chaotic good podcast where we talk about the problems of today, ideas for the future, and all the steps in between. The topic that we're going to be discussing is about what we do after this motherfucking election. I am Nicole, and I am joined here today by my co-host, Genre. Hello. Uh, on his stream, we are recording this live. Yep. Hello, Morlocks chat. Genre's chat. You've never heard me call him by his online name. <laughs> <laughs> we yes, we are uh, recording on the stream as I've mentioned before on the podcast. Uh, we have a politics chat stream every Friday at three p.m. and most Tuesdays at ten p.m. And we are doing uh, this with the chat. We have a bunch of people in chat. We are going to be interacting with the chat throughout the episode. So that should be fun. And if you uh, like like what we're doing, if you enjoy these live recorded shows, then let us know in the comments, in comments on Apple Podcasts and and Google or wherever you can do that. So or just email us at saythiscast at gmail.com. So we were going to talk about, like, what we do after the election, Nicole? The title is actually, I'm not telling you to wait, I'm telling you to work. So, fucking disclaimers, everybody. I'm going to be kind of preachy in this episode. I am both preaching to you, potentially, if you resemble any of the people I really want to reach with this. If you're already doing these things, it's obviously not an indictment on your character and also i'm also being fucking preachy for my benefit because in terms of activism and getting out there and like doing the real fucking work to advance the progressive cause in the united states you know i could be doing better i'm a nerd that spends most of their time inside and that was before the <laughs> pandemic. Um, True. So, Same. You know, <laughs> definitely room for improvement here. Uh, I live in a glass house. I'm still going to throw stones. I wanted to address specifically people who feel alienated and tired and they don't know what they're going to do after the election. I know that there are a lot of people who are really counting on Bernie Sanders winning this election or a progressive winning the election or something a little bit more inspiring than Joseph Biden. But that's not what we have. And in regards to the socialist revolution, which I'm going to put in some heavy quotation marks, the material conditions required for revolution are farther than they've been in our common era, I would like to say. Very much so. <sighs> we... <laughs> it's already exhausting. We are like five minutes into this episode and Nicole is already tired <laughs> just talking about this. <laughs> yeah. 
And one of the most frustrating things about our current political moment is the fact that if I say we're pretty goddamn far away from the revolution, there are a lot of people who are going to look at me as though I'm advocating for incrementalism or as though I'm trying to shit on somebody's parade. I am not doing that. They like to scream that we're just like the people who in the late 50s, early 60s were telling black people that it wasn't the right time for the civil rights movement or told the gays before Stonewall or women before the women's suffrage movement. But I just want to say really quickly, as a quick aside, that all of those goals were way easier than advocating for workers' rights and things in regards to socialism because treating human beings like humans, isn't really incompatible with capitalism as an idea. Now, in practice, it's a completely different thing, but you can throw black people and gays and whoever a fucking bone without challenging capital. But what socialists or what progressives talk about when they say we need to tax the wealthy or to do universal health care or policies like that that threaten the ruling class it necessarily means that we have to threaten capitalism, which means it's far harder to advocate for when you actually do need to set the stage for something that radical to happen. Fucking with people's money is always a tough thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Screwing with people's money is is the one thing that makes people wake up and makes people pay attention, but also... They're waking up and paying attention because they are trying so hard to push back on it. And for right now, I just want to make the case towards working towards our goals and how we can't afford not to redouble our efforts in the coming years. Because, and I really want you, if you're a revolutionary or you're a person with revolutionary politics to take this to heart, the revolution isn't going to happen in the next four years or the next eight years. Or probably, if I'm being realistic, in the time it takes for me to live and die. We're really goddamn far away from that. Right. The powers that be have entrenched themselves in ways that many revolutionary theorists of the 19th and 20th century could have never imagined. Our options in terms of revolution are limited to what's currently feasible in like a mechanical sense. For one thing, and this is a pretty fucking big thing, we can't and should never consider the possibility of armed revolution if at all possible in the United States. Because we'll all fucking die. There's no outgunning the <laughs> United States, no matter how unwilling they are to fire on Americans. That ends at a certain point, And as soon as that ends, you know, you're fucked. And considering yeah. the massive campaign to get people who are considered anti-fascist or left-leaning to be seen as not even human. There's been a lot of dehumanization of people with liberal ideas or anything yeah. left of that, God forbid, in the last four years. Calling us animals, mm -hmm. calling us anarchists, I don't know. Anarchists, don't know. monsters, etc. Yeah. So, you know, the Thugs. process, yeah, the process of making us into a group of people who's seen as disposable is already being done. So, you know, that yeah. line that you want to play on in terms of, will the United States government open fire on us or can we turn up that margin's getting thinner my guy <laughs> our most viable option is to threaten capital by leveraging our political power 
as people who labor. And as many people online and in real life have accurately called out, this means a wide-scale general strike. Now, and I know this is hard to hear, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Why would it happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> They've made it impossible for that to happen. So, so, so why can't we do a general strike today? You might be asking if you're one of these people who I am trying to tell this to. And for the benefit of everybody else who is not in this group of people, a general strike is when a substantial portion of the total workforce in a city, region, or more relevantly country refuses to go to work. And this is really fucking hard to organize. But for us in the United States of America, at this current moment, with the level of preparation that we have right now, it's nigh on fucking impossible, or we already would have done it because of the lack of corona aid. So why can't we do it? Well, the unfortunate reality is that the default employment type in the United States is at will, meaning a workplace can fire any employee, for any reason, without any warning, so long as the reason isn't like explicitly illegal. I was gonna say, there are laws against firing people because... <sighs> Hold on. There are some laws in some places that disallow people from from firing you because you're black or because you're a woman or because you're gay. The, that last one or because you're trans. Those last two are are not universal whatsoever. But still, um, but for any like, oh, I don't like your tie. You wear your hat weird. Get out. That's pretty that's pretty much legal yeah and so to add to that even though it's technically illegal to get fired for being gay or being black or any of those fucking things you know the first one depends on where you are important to remember is that if your employer can come up with literally any reason that isn't your race or sexuality or gender they can fucking fire you so even if they don't like you explicitly because you're black but they can't say that of course then they can just fucking fire you because they don't like the cut of your jib. And that they can list that, and that's completely fine. And even if you know that it's because you're black, and they know it's because you're black, you'll never fucking prove it in court. And this is scary for a lot of reasons. But um, top among those is that it adds a lot of uncertainty when it comes to labor. Or, but she, but uh, top of those is that it adds a lot of uncertainty when it comes to labor organizing. Though you technically have the right to unionize, if a corporation catches wind of an organization attempt, they can usually find some reason to fire the employees that are involved in that that isn't explicitly illegal. And frankly, it's really hard to do anything about that. Um, that is, if the majority of the workforce isn't on board, if people are willing to walk off or exercise power in the face of their uh, fellow coworkers getting fired, for unionizing, um, it can be more difficult to snuff out these attempts. Unfortunately right. for us, um, with a national average of just 6.2% of American unionization, who that's a hard you can do word. it. I, I, I believe in you. <laughs> and speaking generally, uh, and speaking generally, <laughs> with a national average of just 6.2% of American unionization, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's fair to say that America doesn't have a culture of collective bargaining or labor organizing. 
We used to. Not anymore, though. Along with wealth insecurity, this creates a culture where people are incredibly nervous to engage with labor strikes because it's, pop it's possible that they'll lose their job in the moment or some somewhere down the line. And meaningful success in that department is dictated primarily by how many people you can get on board. And it is incredibly difficult if you're desperate to be the first one to say, I think that we should organize. Because if anybody narks, it's your ass. And people, a lot of people will nark. Yeah, even like and for why? no fucking reason. Because they just Usually, love powerful people. Well, the the other thing is, like in in a lot of businesses, they they actually put out um, uh, incentives to to union bus. Yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway. <laughs> Yep. And on top of all of that, which is structural, there's something more fundamental. This country is fucking huge in terms of land mass and extraordinarily decentralized. If our five largest cities organize successful general strikes at the same time, which is, to be clear, Herculean in terms of difficulty, we could threaten capital significantly, but without the full support of every state, it would be incredibly difficult to impose great political pressure beyond those cities, local governments, and maybe the state, arguably, depends on where. Particularly because our individual political power becomes less and less powerful the more populous area you live in. Sorry to say. So, for instance, I, as a Chicago citizen don't have as much power as if I were somebody living in South Dakota in terms of federal politics or politics at a federal level, I guess is the way that a normal human being would say that. <laughs> um, so, and this isn't anywhere near an exhaustive list of shit, but already you might say we're fucked in a lot of ways, but our situation is not hopeless. The inherent contradictions of capitalism are being laid by trial and tribulation. I mean, you know, the largest of which for right now, coronavirus. In a few years, global climate change. We're falling flat on our faces at every single hurdle, and capitalists know this. In the next episode, we'll probably expand on this, but um, as this happens, we'll see capitalists start going towards populist solutions to these problems. And there's some power for us as progressives to gain there. But right now, we're not prepared for any sort of fucking revolution. Um, I wish we were, but the fact of the matter is that there's still much work to be done. And even if we could pull off a successful revolution, I guarantee you, we wouldn't know what to do on the other fucking side. Yeah, a lot of people that are, are uh, we need to tear down the system. We need to burn down the system and make something better. Like, you don't have a plan. You just want to see the world burn. Yeah, a lot of these people have also never worked with other people and don't know how to organize and don't know how to lead. Exactly. They're just, they're just yelling. <sighs> and, you know, Bernie and Warren's lack of success on the national political stage is proof enough to this effect as it is an indication of capitalist fears about the progressive project. We got a lot of latent power, but we can't really exercise it at this point. 
And in this age of late stage capitalism, there's an opportunity to plug into where we need to and create change, but it won't come by waiting. And I would never ask anybody to do that. Right now, more than ever, possibly in my lifetime, although I'm young, um, shut up. We need action. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I know. I was saying that for your benefit. Um, so you get to yeah. say, fuck off. Yeah, I was okay. going to say something about the 80s, and I was like, were you, like, born in the 80s? <laughs> I, yes. What, 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 what do you want to know about the 80s? I can, I, I can don't, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> you don't remember you weren't yeah. alive. <laughs> I don't remember what I wanted to know, is what I said. Uh, I, mean. I see. Um, anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Yeah, also, revolution fucking sucks. Thank you for mentioning that, dream. It's important for us to remember that, and I haven't mentioned this, highly improbable that if a revolution were to happen within the United States, like, armed, if everybody were, like, just to bring bullets or some shit, I don't know. Just a handful of bullets. The the fash would win. No fucking. <laughs> oh, Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? The fash would crush us. They have planes and bombs and shit they're like paramilitary super secret ops the yeah. sra is fucking tiny i mean it's growing but it's still small and there ain't no paramilitary bullshit going on, on the left because we're not insane larpers for the most part <laughs> but yeah you I get mean, what i mean if we took over a city like if we actually took over a city they could flatten said city they just send a tank they just deploy a tank and flatten you literally one tank exactly <laughs> um so anyways you know doomer 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 but for a second we're gonna be bloomer we're gonna talk about what you can do because no matter what happens on november 3rd which is the day this podcast will release fuck progressives need to be on their bullshit on November 4th and going forward. Many of us, myself included, were brought further left in the last four years, stewarded in by electoral politics. Through being leftist, many of us learned that voting every four years is not the full extent of political engagement. Not me, girl. I was organizing since middle school, bitches. I'm built different. But you. <laughs> I mean, and there's no shame in that. I'm just better than you. But in all seriousness, I mean that's the that's the thrust of a podcast, really. But in all seriousness, <laughs> it was devastating for all of us to see Bernie and like hell, even Warren, I guess, lose twice to middle of the road status quo bargain bin ass Democrats. And it's important that despite that disappointment, we should still engage with electoralism. It's not a panacea, but. It has the capacity to improve people's lives, and more importantly, to set the stage for our goals to come to fruition someday. To this end, we must make two things a priority for us in the coming years. Full enfranchisement for the American people, or as close as we can get to it. And I mean incarcerated people, um, dismantling the spiky tendrils of voter suppression like a motherfucker. And number two, the abolition of the Electoral College, which will be more fucking difficult, so you need to know that from now, but it gets easier as we elect more progressives into positions of power 
and we successfully shift the Democratic Party further left. There's no strategy to achieve this goal that doesn't involve voting people in. Just so you know. Like, you're not going to yeah. vote for the goddamn Green Party and abolish the duopoly <laughs> through your piddling 5% <laughs> vote, motherfuckers. That's not how it works. How I don't understand how people think that that's a viable strategy. They are I unspeakably swear. fucking stupid. This is a policy <laughs> thing. So that's electoral politics out of the way. The other thing right. is that we need to start setting the stage for the general strike, which is some serious fucking work. So how do we do that? Well, speaking towards the electoralism point, we gotta start fighting for better labor laws through putting elected public officials who are more sympathetic to the rights of workers. Now, this is the bare-ass minimum. The second thing you can do is join the DSA or some shit. I mean, like, really, start supporting public officials. We need to push policy that protects workers forward or else we'll never get the type of organization which we require. The other half of this equation is that we actually need to start creating collective power through organization and unionization. So, if you ain't unionized, go off. You need to be in a union if you can be. Pursue organizing your own workplace. Talk about collective power and what workers deserve to anybody who will listen. Encourage other people to join their union or to start a union. You know, just really enforce in the people around you that they don't need to be treated like shit at their employers. It's that's They don't deserve that. They deserve protections and a safe workplace and fair pay. And if you are pushing for a union, do make sure that it is a good union, that it has good policies. We don't need a another police union. <laughs> yeah. We need we need a good union. I mean that is beneficial to not just the workers, but the people surrounding the workers as well. Police unions are their own special type of toxic that kind of breeds over like over a century of unchecked power, so yeah. you're unlikely to do that. The other thing that you can do, you can join the Industrial Workers of the World. It is a big union their mission statement is that they want every worker in the world to be part of a union and part of their big ass union. It's a pretty good organization. They can help you organize your workplace and offer different types of support. They have a huge mutual aid uh, network from what I understand. It's pretty good shit. And if you're one of the millions of people threatened by homelessness during this pandemic, you can think about organizing a rent strike, which you can also get more information on IWW or another organization, which I will link in the show notes. There's going to be a lot in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. and Just so you guys you know, know. Yeah, resources. We're giving you resources. Because mm -hmm. even if you just do one of these things, or that's more than you were doing before, I bet. And the final thing I can ask you is to take time to learn what workers' rights used to be afforded to American citizens. Wor learn about union rights in the 20th century and about what kind of bullshit has eroded our protections for our fucking workers. I mean, it's nuts! We deserve so much better. And we had so much better. And you know, the generation before us, if you're a millennial or a zoomer like me took that from you so get angry 
get the people around you angry. And the final tenet that I want to talk about is investing in mutual aid. Mutual aid is a fancy word for what communities have been doing for each other since before civilized society was even a concept. It means taking responsibility for caring for one another in these uncertain times and beyond. Now, one thing that really bothers me about the conversations I see online about mutual aid is that a lot of people will say that you have to join a mutual aid network and do it in these specific ways. To me, mutual aid can be small or large or organized or interpersonal. It can mean finding a mutual aid network operating your area and finding out what they need. During coronavirus, a lot of places have been doing food runs or checking in on the elderly. This is something that you can help with if you're able to. On the other side of things, you can help a friend out of a financial bind. I've had a lot of friends go through some choice-ass bullshit during this pandemic. I'm lucky enough to still make some money, and every month I like to set some aside and donate it to people's GoFundMe and shit. GoFundMe actually just uh, started a little um, hub so you can actually find people who need money to like pay their rent or their medical bills specifically because of corona, and you can donate to those people directly. We'll include oh, that in the show. It's a, yeah, it's excellent. I mean, it's hella embarrassing for the United States as a concept, but it's really good. And that is a <laughs> massive mainstream uh, mutual aid network. There is always someone in the chat in my in my chat on Fridays because it's in the afternoon. There are people from the UK and and from Europe there, and they're always like, How, "Why, why?" <laughs> and it's mm. embarrassing to say why. It's yeah. insane that you have to beg to save your life yeah but you know part of mutual aid is helping people out online in person just being there for each other that's right and the other half of this which is really difficult for a lot of introverts myself included i'm trying to get better at it, even though i live in kind of a weird neighborhood for it is um get interested in your environment check in on your neighbors take an interest in your fucking community i know that that sounds kind of kitschy but like no seriously if you have a like a association in your neighborhood or some shit, join it. Get to know the people around you, especially the ones who are already involved in local politics. Um, when I went and voted for Biden, I had a lot of really good conversations with the people who are working the polls and about what they needed and about like, you know, getting into that type of work. Now, I can't do that because I'm not fucking retired, but you know, things like that really will help you figure out what's going on in your neighborhood, how you can help. Things like that. If you're listening to our podcast during the, you know, hours that you're standing in line, the next election in your area, just uh, there are multiple elections in just look for local. See if you can be a poll worker. See if you can help out that because that that is incredibly important. Just being there to make sure the polls run run correctly. That is something that you can do to really help your community. And it also hits on our first point, which was trying to work towards full enfranchisement of the American people in terms of their exactly. voting rights. Exactly. You help out with the polling place. You help people vote. You're starting on your journey. That's right. Moving on. Shout from the rooftop that you're active because your community means something to you. A lot of people in the United States have a super individualistic view of the world. They don't really see themselves as part of a community, not within their neighborhood, not within their city, not within the country, and certainly not within the world. But the fact is, 
we share an environment and we are a community of people who live on the fucking earth and we do need to care for each other else we're literally gonna tear each other apart so it's important that when you're active when you're helping people that you let them know that it's not just because you're a nice person or some shit it's because it's your duty to help people because you're a member of a society and that's what you fucking do when you're part of a community Building communal power and using it is an opportunity to reach out to folks and tell them about being more progressive, about talking about how we can do more for each other overall. It's how we build collective power, and collective power is how we win. So that's what I think that you should do after the election. And my last point, which I'm going to be very smug in, um, and I apologize, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> I was I was waiting for that end part, yeah. A lot of people are frustrated by this election. Bernie brought us hope, and now many people's hope has died. He's not going to run for president again. And, you know, it feels pretty fucking bad. This being said, if you think that you're tired, if you think it's time to give up, it's pathetic. Welcome to radical politics, baby! The McCarthy era wasn't fun for lefties either, but we pulled through. Before Bernie, being a lefty was pretty fucking lame. Being a lefty is painful because we're correct and nobody ever listens to us. That being said, our generation of leftists, the new generation of people who want a progressive and better world, have felt the concept, the feeling of hope warm our hearts. Nobody in the 20th century after, like, 1930 felt that we have an opportunity that's rare for socialists in a capitalist society particularly one as up its own ass as ours it's time to stop mourning what we were unable to achieve and it's time to stop lamenting that we weren't able to pull off the revolution which to a lot of people which i just think is really funny is voting in a sock dem <laughs> you people call me a lip <laughs> Um, we weren't ready. We weren't ready to vote in Bernie Sanders, and it sucks ass. Um, we didn't have the plurality of the votes, nor the delegates. We lost. Was it fair? Few things are. Behaving like white fail sons when their double-triple legacy status at Harvard isn't enough to offset their 2.5 GPA because they spent high school knee-deep in cocaine is not the answer. Nut up! Expand your ring of influence and work towards a better world if you truly believe in that goal. And if you don't, wash out with the rest of the trash. No cap, your attitude towards the revolutionary action isn't useful. The answer is outreach and creating more people who share our beliefs, ideally outside of major cities. It is building collective power that will make us a powerful enough block that we can exert power at the voting booth and in the streets. I'm not telling you to wait until next time or to sit on your ass and mourn what's already come to pass or wait, bide your time until the moment for the revolution is nigh. Waiting does nothing and an opportunity like Bernie Sanders comes once in a lifetime without concerted effort. So now is the time to wake up and get the fuck to work. And I hope that you'll join me in my commitment to working harder in these coming days. Not up or get out. And that's it. Yep. I shouldn't have to say this. Subtitle, not up or get out. Yeah. <laughs>
so um everybody in the chat uh we uh in the if you haven't listened to the to the podcast we uh talk about what we can do in the future what we can do to to help or uh our our take on a on a specific issue topic um our first episode was on uh the importance of broadband uh in in america um but the second part of our episode we try to end it on a high note on a good note and talk about things that have been making us uh happy like something that's really uh that that brightens our mood so nicole what is making you happy right now Oh fuck! I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, on this day, on this auspicious day of the presidential election, that's when the uh, podcast is coming out. What you say? Have I talked about Genshin Impact yet? Yeah, that was last episode. Okay, yeah. fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I um started reading a bit from my favorite poet, one of my favorite poets, uh, T.J. Jarrett, recently. And that's mm-hmm. been really interesting uh, reading back over it. It's been like about four years since I've picked up one of her first, I think her first collection. It's called Ain't No Grave by T.J. Jarrett. It's a really interesting read. And it uh, it expired a lot of my poetry back when I used to be a poet. And um, yeah, it's just been really fun to get back into uh, reading uh, some that's poetry. Excellent. You want to, um, if you can send me the link to, to that, uh, maybe we can get like, on like, it, like it's an actual book. So like Goodreads or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, uh, just, yeah, send me the, the, the title of the book. We'll, we'll put that link in the description as well. I don't know if I've mentioned it on, on the, on this podcast before, but there are two games that I play constantly. One is Destiny 2 and the other is Dragon Ball Fighters. And uh, a couple things about fighters is it's a fighting game. It's uh, it's inspired by Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super, like that anime. It's a wonderful fighting game. It's so great. I actually uh, for my birthday, I actually got myself a new controller for it, uh-huh. which is really cool because the the controller I had is called the Hori uh, Fighting Commander and the the directional pad was actually injuring my thumb because of the way I use the, the pad. This one uh, has a different directional pad, so it it's not going to, like, hurt when I when I do moves. <laughs> so I'm really I'm really pumped about that. It's it's a it's a different controller, but it's really helping me enjoy the game more, which is really great. And you already enjoyed the game a lot. I'm glad I for did. you, buddy. Yeah. And uh um, I've been trying to figure out like what is going on. I've been putting stuff on my thumb to protect it and everything. And then I realized, wait, that controller has kind of like edges on the directional pad. Why did they do that? <sighs> so that and I got to uh, be in a fight night with some friends uh, uh, at Angaku Overdrive. Um, I'll link them in the description as well. They do video game concerts and events. Uh, they have it's going to. It's tomorrow as we're recording, but we're pro- they're probably going to have another one uh, virtual uh, Angaku, uh, which means they're going to have like nerdcore and video game artists like on stream. So uh, Angaku Overdrive, they have a monthly fight night and they played fighters and it was so much fun. 
Um, <laughs> so that's that's something that's been that was really great. So thanks, everybody, for listening to I Should Have to Say This. We put out our episodes every two weeks. So check us out. Go to saythiscast.com. If you want to see more episodes, past episodes, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. And Nicole, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at jack03trades. And that's three is in the number three as in the number you can find me on twitter at press start lock and as we've been talking about in this episode i have a stream on fridays 3 p.m that's when we're recording this episode right now it's a great time we try to talk to everybody in the chat have conversations sometimes we record the episode sometimes the cold goes super hard on the chat <laughs> i mean sorry your chat was dumb <laughs> Only one of them. The rest of you are fine. Good Christ, Nicole. Okay, so <laughs> all of our music on the show is by Mustin. Go to store.muscinenterprises.com, store.mustinenterprises.com, and you can buy some of this, some of this stuff. Links are in the description and the show notes as well. And I shouldn't have to say this, is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. You can learn more at planetsidepodcasts.com. All right. I don't know what we're going to do for the end. I don't know. Stuff. (laughs) Maybe I can pick something out from the... I don't know. Say something dumb. Impossible. <laughs> I've never said anything <laughs> dumb in my life. That's the end. Yep. Boom. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop recording. <laughs>